All right, everybody. It is 2011, baby, Happy and I New am Year. here. I am here. My name is Mike, and I am with Kenton Bishore. Yes. And as a third member of our team in the booth this morning, Mr. Jeff Prees. Right. Now, Prees remembered speaks about himself in the third person. Yeah, so if you hear Prees referring to Prees, don't be alarmed. And we are not to be confused with the three wise men, I might add. Yes, okay. that is very That's true. It? However, there is it's the fact that we're doing one podcast with three people, so it's kind of Trinitarian. Ooh. <laughs> Perhaps like in a very right. obscure way. Now we're going to get some emails. Yeah. No, yes. Maybe we should say something totally like flamingly contradictory and controversial. Like right. you last time we were together, boiling kids. And yes, boy, boiling boy, kids yeah. and their mother's milk. Yeah. And by that, we meant goats, not children. <laughs> Now, we began 2011 by continuing on in the journey through Matthew, right? We're in a series called One because it's one life from Christmas to Easter. Shockingly, those two holidays are related. And so we're going to be in the book of Matthew. But we spent some time talking about the baptism of Jesus, the coming of John the Baptist, and it it seemed very fitting uh, for a new year. Jeff Priest taught in the Irvine campus. Jeff, can you give us just maybe a couple seconds on what it was that you hit and talked about? And then was there anything that you felt like you would have wanted to spend more time on? Well, I think for me, one of the biggest things was um, this idea how John the Baptist went after the Pharisees and and this idea that they try to present themselves in a way of of being wonderful or, or all right with God and got it all together. And then he's just saying, you know what, your lives are not a reflection of what you believe and you're not, you're not bearing fruit with your life. And so I love that concept because for me, it was such a reminder for me when I when I used to walk with God a long time ago. It's like I said, as opposed I, to now. Well, you know, I said I was something and I wasn't living it. You know, now <laughs> totally. I don't live it, but I don't think I'm something. I'm, I, let, well, let me rephrase that. I live it, but I know I'm terribly flawed. So right. Um, so I, I think it was just this idea that it's it's making our uh, our walk follow our talk and. Uh, and and I love that idea, and I like and 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 I think it's the the kind of the, the the crummy thing about it is is that they they felt like they had it all together, and it was such clearly a, a turnoff for John the Baptist and Jesus. Yes, and I think it's the thing that we battle with even in the world today, where as Christians we can live with this idea that we have it all together. Why don't you just be like us? You're bad, we're good, right? And people get turned off from that message. I think. Oh, yeah. And, and and what's so interesting, I, I totally agree with you about John, is that, you know, God sends him to the people of God. He doesn't send him to the pagans uh, in, you know, Las Vegas, whatever the equivalent was back then. He doesn't, he sends him to the people of God and he calls the people of God to repentance, to be prepared for this new work that God's going to do, which I find totally fascinating because if God's going to do a new work in us, as Peter says, judgment begins with the, the house of God. So there is this sense that, that, in the same way, John's word to the Jews was you can't count on your Jewishness to automatically qualify you to be a part of this new work. And well, I love that. I'm going to jump in on that yeah, too, yeah. because I, you know, I, we do so many weddings. And whenever I do a wedding, I'm always trying to ask people where they are in their faith. Hmm. And, it's, and constantly I, I hear the answer is always, well, I was born a Christian or I've yes. always been going to church. And then I, I, I now have to an- ask my question differently. I That's have to good. like explain what it means to be a Christian. <laughs> and then I have to now say, are you, are, do you are fall you in that camp? Because I hate to tell people 
after they've told their story. Totally. You know what? You're missing. You're missing it a little bit here. So <laughs> I love that concept. Well, and we live. About. We live on fumes almost. So yeah, if I go to church and Christmas at Easter, I'm a Christian. If I grew up in a Christian home, I'm a Christian. If I live in a Christian country, I'm a Christian. Or for some of us, I prayed a prayer when I was six. And somebody told me I was a Christian and I haven't done anything with it since, so I'm good. Uh, And there is this sense that John confronts us as the people of God with the reality that when God's going to do something new, um, there is a repentance aspect to be a part of that. Kenton, any thoughts on this? Well, I I didn't get to hear the message, but what I'm fascinated by what you're saying is there is this lack of authenticity in the people of God. And we're uncomfortable living with our true brokenness. So what are you, so is what you're talking about that sense of if I'm not healthy enough to be or be honest enough to talk about what's really inside, there's no way for me to really grow. That's right. Is that what you're dealing well, with? Well, not only that, but how do you how do you grab a hold of grace if you have no deep sense? of your own brokenness. If you're convinced you're doing just fine. See, we think grace only saves us. So tell me this. I get that. So so what's the journey then, or what is it that you guys highlighted in the message Ooh, that I question. need on a, on a daily question. basis with that sense of, you know, I, I want to, it's so easy, I guess, to live just an inch deep. And it sounds like right. you're asking me to be more honest in that. What does that look like on a day-to-day basis? Well, I'm think, I think a couple of things. When you say that, my, my brain immediately goes to, I'm certainly broken and flawed, and I'm comfortable with that and the need for grace. At the same time, John is confronting with the Pharisees and saying, your, your lives aren't bearing fruit. So we are in this, we are in this, this kind of um, area that we live our lives of. We certainly are... are it's a uh, tension. Yeah, we understand our brokenness. We are certainly flawed. That is why we need God. At the mm-hmm. same time, our lives should bear fruit of what we believe. That's right. And so it's a combination of both. I can't just sit here and say, I'm so broken and flawed and I am so lame. And you'd look at me and then go, well, then why turn to Jesus, man? He's not even changing your life or <laughs> right. what's going on. At the same time, right. our lives should bear fruit. So That's there right. is this tension of what's, of what's going on in both those worlds. And, so, and, and what Jesus receives in his baptism because we're in Christ, we receive in this powerful way, right? We receive an identity that's new as sons or daughters. So when, when God the Father speaks over the Son, this is my Son whom I love and you I'm well pleased. It's, it's not only the fulfillment of all of this Old Testament prophecy, but it's also this declaration of identity that wasn't, I don't think, just for the public. It was for Jesus too as he undergoes now his public ministry because it is repeated right before his, um, his journey to Jerusalem at his transfiguration. And, and, and we need that as broken people, right? We need, to, we need to be reminded that my brokenness is no longer my identity. So yes, I still sin. Yes, I may be addicted. Yes, I have habits or relationships or whatever that I need to get out of. But that's fundamentally no longer who I am. And then the second thing that Jesus receives, right, is the Holy Spirit. And as you go through the, the Gospels, it's particularly prevalent in John. You have Jesus walking around saying, well, I only do what I see the Father doing. Well, the Father, how he sees is through the Spirit's leading, right? I only say what the Father's saying. I, I only uh, am obeying whatever the Father's telling me to do. So there's this sense that as broken people, we receive this identity, this blessing, and the power of the Spirit to, to lead new lives. And I, and I was kind of talking about this concept of... Um, the, the part of God that is closest, that dwells within us, the Holy Spirit, that we, are, we feel that we are as close to as, as any part of God, we discount and we push it away. Totally. And it's like, how do, I mean, 
And I, and I think it's because we don't understand it. You uh -huh. know, I hear uh -huh. Holy Spirit and I hear like, you know, Twilight Zone music. Like, I don't quite get right. it. Or, like or TV preachers that are yeah. a little bit weird. We were throwing that out. So I get the Father. I get Jesus walking right. and, you know, right. sandals, kicking up dust, talking to people <laughs> and all those things. Holy Spirit, do not comprehend, cannot totally. understand. And I think for me, even as, as I gave the message and I'm, I'm, I kind of listened to myself talk and, and as I read the scripture, it's this idea of understanding the Holy Spirit is inside me, mm -hmm. wants to guide me, wants mm -hmm. to direct me. I need to listen for it. I need to sense its prompting and I need to, I need to respond to that. Right. And so that's uh, right. I think that's a, uh, it's, it's a different way for me of living my daily life of, of, of kind of calling out the Holy Spirit and, uh, and look that's for right. and asking for. Because the pictures we life. get are keeping in step with the Spirit, walking with the Spirit. It's not just this, hey, God lives in you, nebulous sort of thing. It's this very interactive and dynamic presence that's supposed to infect our daily yeah, life. And, and Scripture says, counselor, teacher. That's right. Gives, Advocate. Gives power. Right. You know, comforter. All right. These, all these great things you go, you, when you read that, you go, man, I want That'd be God. awesome. Yeah, that works. KB, yes. thoughts? I like it. So as we begin a new year, there's a sense of I can be honest with my sin and then I want to walk every day in the spirit, in his strength, being taught by him with the sense that God is with me yep. every day yep. I walk in the spirit. I, I love, love that. It. It's a good start for a new year. It's a great start. And uh, we also, as a part of this time, uh, want to respond to questions we get, whether or not um, they're directly related to the message. Oftentimes we'll say something here, we'll say something in a message that, that cues people towards a question. And uh, we've got one kind of in that category today. KB uh, is going to read it. But, but really, Kenton, the first question I, I have for you doesn't relate to anything theological. Uh, it was simply, give us one highlight of your Christmas break. Just one. Um, always great to be with Boring. Family. Give us no, another one. Giddy up. Be with my family, my grandkids. Boring. Christmas Day. Watching Boring. Christmas Boring. little kids. I need That's to know, the like, best. there was this massage chair that I got. Or just oh, give me some material item that you got that you were stoked I on. I got nothing. I'm a giver. Better yeah. to give than receive. <laughs> really? Yeah. With kids? Let me be clear. Come on. How much did you get from your kids? Zero. I got, I, got I, got I, got, I got something. That's right. Dad's getting nothing. I got nothing. I got a My sweatshirt kids. that I had that I, that I wore a month before, and she rewrapped it and gave it to me. Oh, no, yes. Don't go there. I got new underwear. Now that's it. Uh -oh. Don't Certainly don't go there. <laughs> All right, KB, give us a question today. All right, this is from Dale, and he asked two questions. Uh, he's asking about creation, the church's position on creationism, but in a bigger way, in our doctrine, he's saying, in our beliefs, they're category, the categories are three. What, we, what are essential for salvation, what's essential for leadership, and then what we agree to disagree this on. This is our doctrinal statement. That's our doctrinal statement. And we've put the ordering of events in Genesis as a thing that we agree to disagree. Right. So we'll talk about this because I think his question is, why would that be a doctrine that we agree to disagree on? Yes. And the reason uh, for me is this. Um, the Genesis chapter one, I take as poetry. And I think as you read it, it's clearly poetry. And then starting in Genesis two, you have a historical account. So I think that um, as I read Genesis, what you clearly have is God creating humans in a, in a historical account. I don't believe in evolution creating people. But how the world was created, you know, there's lots of people who believe in an old earth. 
There's people who believe in a young earth. And I'd like to say this. What saddens me in the last 25 years, the conversation about old earth, young earth has become this high-pitched shrill that the, on one side, people who believe in a young earth say, you don't take the Bible seriously. You don't, you don't believe in the text. And then people that are, that are old earth say, you don't take science uh, in any kind of an authentic way. And it's impossible to know. I don't know how old the earth is. I just don't. And I don't know how things were when they're created. And I think Genesis chapter 1 is beautiful poetry. And I read Genesis 2 uh, beginning a historical event. Now, many people will disagree with that. Some people take Genesis chapter 1 as just a literal historical way. And so they would go six days, six literal 24-hour days, even though the sun and the moon wasn't even created till day three. And there, you know, there's clearly big problems in it. And there's great people that are on both sides. Right. So as a church, we take the ordering of events in Genesis as one of those things that there are good Christian people that agree to disagree on. We don't see it even critical for leadership. And we ask people when they teach it to give both sides of uh, the argument. Yeah, I think, and I think you're doing a bunch there. I mean, the first thing is about the teaching itself, right? There, there are, as you say, all sorts of different ideas about what genre of literature Genesis 1 is. Is it poetry? Is it history? Uh, and I'm with you. It is clearly, in Hebrew, it is clearly poetic. And it is clearly written against the other ancient Near Eastern myths that had this dualistic, there's this God and this anti-God that are warring over. I mean, this, what Genesis 1 is, is epic and beautiful and majestic. What it is not is a scientific account of how God did it. Now, the second thing you did, which I think is genius, is I love, one of the things I love about our church is that we do have this category of agree to disagree. One of the huge mistakes that churches make, that we have made uh, in Christian America, is we've made everything a boundary issue, right? So you have boundary-focused churches and you have center-focused churches. Boundary-focused churches focus on what separates us from other churches and non-believers, right? So you have to have a view on the rapture. You have to have a view on the millennium. You have to have a view on Noah and the ark and whether it was universal or whether it was local or with the days in Genesis, whether they were literal or whether they were unspecified. And those are boundary-focused churches, and it's fine to have opinions on all of those things. It all matters. But we choose to be a center-focused church. Because when we read Paul and when we see Jesus, we see them keeping the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is not how long the days were in Genesis 1. The main thing is God is a trinity. God has made a personal appearance in the form of Jesus who died a substitutionary and atoning death for our sins. He rose again on the third day. His spirit is alive, well, active in building his church. Jesus will come again. The Bible is authoritative. We are saved by grace through faith and we're all in need of salvation. Those are the big deals for us. Now, there are all kinds of things attached to that. But those are the hills we're going to die on. Those right. are the things that are going to separate. If we're going to break fellowship with people, it's not going to be over the dating of Genesis. It's going to be over the uniqueness of Jesus or salvation by grace versus salvation by works. I like how you uh, worded that, that idea of making the main thing the main thing and not being a church of boundaries. Because I think when you're a church of boundaries, you're always drawing a line and you're saying, what is your position on this? And it goes away from discussion and learning. And we right. want to be people who are learning. And we want to create an opportunity. And secondly, uh, 
we take the Bible seriously, but there is a part that God is mystical and we don't want to take the mystery out of everything. That's and right. to be able to explain everything or to approach the Bible with the mindset that we can exhaust the subject and we can understand it, um, I think that that's beyond us. It shouldn't surprise us that an infinite God is always going to be infinitely beyond us and there'll always be a mystery to it. And that adventure of learning doesn't mean that we're subjective, doesn't mean that we don't take the Bible literally and authoritatively. It just simply means that there's lots of issues we want to be able to talk about, discuss, say, what is your understanding in that, but not make it a boundary of in or out. I like how you worded it. There's one thing that makes us a Christian. That's what we believe about Jesus, and he's our Savior. And then we want to be people that aren't divisive, and so we have certain things that we believe about leadership. But beyond that, we want to be people who are able to discuss subjects. Absolutely. Pries, one last question for you. One last question. If if a movie actor were going to play you in your life, who would it be? Oh, wow. Um... I would probably say a bumbling, stumbling Jim Carrey. False. Would, no. False. Uh, who's the guy you did the wedding for? False. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, oh, dude. Come yeah, on. Okay, okay. And with that image oh, in our minds, we send you out into your week. Bless you. May, the, may our Lord keep you and bless you. And amen. Oh, Hallelujah. yeah, baby. Good. Bye.